Happy New Year. Hear the word of God this morning. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you Lord for your faithfulness. Amen. Happy New Year again. Um, I wonder if as you head into the new year, if you have any worries. Our culture is getting more and more anxious, one UCLA magazine writer, Dan Gordon, summarized it well in a recent article. He said, with its persistent grip, COVID-19 has exacted an unimaginable toll on all of us. It's taken lives and livelihoods. It's canceled celebrations, isolated us from family, friends, and coworkers, coupled with a news cycle dominated by ceaseless reports of global war, mass shootings, and a nation seemingly hopelessly divided, we shouldn't be surprised that we're all dealing with increasing amounts of crippling anxiety. While feeling anxious might be uncomfortable, it's not always detrimental. Anxiety can help us plan, strategize, and avoid disasters, avoid problems, says psychiatrist Margaret Dussler, director of the Anxiety Disorders Clinic at the Jane and Terry Sumlin Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behavior at UCLA. But the World Health Organization reported earlier this year, that's 2022, that anxiety and depression spiked by 25% in the pandemic's first year, identifying loneliness, fear of infection, financial stressors, and grief over what we'd lost among the chief culprits. Now, as we stumble toward, hopefully, a post-COVID world, our collective psyche remains frazzled. All those awful headlines aren't abating anytime soon. But these trends also preceded the pandemic as well. According to BYU's Ballard Social Impact Center, anxiety and depression has been increasingly prevalent among young adults in the U.S., with both disorders, with both disorders increasing by 63% from 2005 to 2017. 63% increase in anxiety and depression among young adults from 2005 to 2017. This is pre-pandemic. The Ballard Center assesses that the expansion of multimedia tasking and high levels, or I should say the expansion of media multitasking 
and high levels of academic and economic stress have led to increasing rates of anxiety and depression among American young adults. Perhaps we are wise to see our precious young adults as canaries in the coal mine, right? If so, the warning is clear. Our culture's worry and anxiety struggles have been building for a while now. Maybe you can relate. I wonder, as you head into 2023, what's on your mind? What's weighing you down? I think anxiety is contagious. Worry is contagious. Uh, Peter Steinke is a, the late great Peter Steinke was, I think, a Lutheran uh, family systems um, guy, expert who worked with churches and other, I think, organizations about anxieties in their systems and how it's contagious, how it gloms on. Yesterday, I was with family and we were rushing back from one event, you can probably relate to this, to heading to another event. And we we went to three different parking lots and Jill went in to get some things for her brother's 50th birthday party. And I was in the car with the kids in the back navigating. Uh, first it was uh, Costco parking lot and then it was... Um, uh, uh, it was uh, Party City parking lot. Oh, then it was, first it was Costco, then it was Whole Foods, then it was Party City. And I'm in these lots just doing laps around these little mini gridlocks, mini traffic jams. You might be uh, unsurprised to hear that my internal life was not peaceful during these times in these parking lots. It was incredible. It was like gridlock. And then you start thinking about other stuff that bothers you. You know, you get a little worried. You, maybe you know about this. You get a little worried and then you start getting, you think of, you get a little irritated, a little anxious and then you start thinking anxious thoughts. It's like anxiety is contagious. It builds. It's like magnetic. It draws in other issues. Last night we were celebrating Todd's 50th birthday and my dear brother-in-law Todd, great, awesome guy. He and his wife live in Burlington. Awesome, awesome folks. He put his uh, birthday pie in uh, the microwave to warm it up and set his little plate on fire, which was kind of cool, actually. He pulled it out. It was like flaming. I was like, wow, you know. But it, it, of course, I have some OCD, so immediately the smell of roast chemicals was in the air. So then I immediately try to go and open windows. One of the windows is stuck. I'm like, oh, and, and I go from happy party time to freaked out by chemicals in the air guy, you know? Isn't it amazing how that happens? Maybe you can relate. Severe OCD and anxiety is a real thing. And if you struggle with that, there's different levels of it. I've had moderate OCD and anxiety in my life and I've dealt with that. And if you have severe OCD and anxiety, we can help you get treatment and support and we're here for you. And there's a lot of, a lot of resources to deal with that. And scripture is the one resource, authoritative resource that frames everything, right? But scripture also gives us permission and freedom to seek other resources. So if you have severe anxiety and struggle, come talk to me or Jim or any elder or staff member. We can get you help for this. We're here to support you. Jesus's words hold it all, right? He is the one in whom all things hold together. And he tells us here in these two scripture passages, so do not worry. Really, Lord? 
So do not worry. Everybody repeat after me. Do worry. Thank you. Let's say it again. Do not worry. Let's say it one more time. Do not worry. Okay. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Our Lord's first century followers, for them, basic provisions like food and clothing were not trivial matters, right? They didn't just go to the fridge, right? Oh, I'm out of half and half. I'll run down to the, you know, Safeway. The disciples left their jobs to follow Jesus. Simon and Andrew had just dropped their fishing nets to follow the Lord. James and John left their fishing boat and nets and even their dad to follow Jesus. These guys left their livelihoods and so their income and life supplies were a big deal. Bigger than what we face, most of us. Certainly, it had to cross their minds. Maybe it worried them a lot. Jesus says, don't worry. It's important to remember who he's talking to here in the immediate. He's talking to all of us. But the immediate context of the people he's talking to is somewhat more intense than most of ours, right? In terms of the daily needs. But Jesus doesn't stop with don't worry. Jesus doesn't merely give them the don't worry prescription. He gives them a description as well. Specifically, Jesus, the son of God, describes our heavenly father. You know, if I'm driving around a jammed up parking lot and I'm worried about making my next schedule point or whatever I'm worried about chemicals in the air in my in our living room and I'm freaking out about that my first thought isn't always the father loves me you know but that's what Jesus wants you and me to think about when we get our worries triggered your heavenly father knows that you need dot 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 right Your heavenly father knows that you need whatever you're worried about. This is a major point. In his book, Worrying, A Literary and Cultural History, author Francis O'Gorman is exactly right when he says this. We can't merely argue ourselves out of worry or let someone else try to do it for us. We have to change what we believe. We have to decide to be happy. We have to decide to be happy. And then have faith in what we decided. Now he's on to something here. As far as it goes. But our Lord goes even further. Freedom from worry is not merely about. As Dr. Gorman puts, as O'Gorman puts it. It's not merely about having faith in what we decide to care about. It's about having faith in who has decided to care about us. Namely our Heavenly Father. Revealed in Jesus and experienced in the Holy Spirit. How my moments yesterday would have turned differently if I had imagined in those moments the embrace of the Father on me, right? Father embracing me in those moments. Deliverance from worry. I should say deliverance from 
worries um, after effects. I don't know that we have to be completely delivered from worry in this life, right? Because it's, it's described in scripture as a reality. But deliverance from worry's lordship over us, right? Starts with knowing we have a Lord in whom the Father's heart is revealed and trusting that. Do you and I really know that our Heavenly Father knows our needs in that moment when we're frustrated or scared or triggered? I mean, bore down to whatever's got you amped or triggered or fearful in whatever way. Usually it comes down to some very basic emotions. Anger, probably fear. Probably often fear is the biggest thing, right? How can we set up our lives so we can be constantly reminded of the Heavenly Father's caring knowledge of our needs? He knows that you need them, whatever them is. Notice that Jesus isn't telling his disciples to tough it out and ignore their hungers or thirst or their needs for clothes. The language here really is not just suck it up buttercup. It really isn't. It's trust that your heavenly father knows, knows what you need or that you need. Now that for sure, there are folks in our community and in this region who do worry about food, clothing, and shelter. And Jesus would tell them not to worry. He would tell them, assure them that they would be provided for since the Heavenly Father knows their needs. And he uses those of us who are blessed to help folks in need, like at our food bank and such. He calls us to serve them by ministering hospitality, and we do that, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing often as much to the servers as those served. But I think for most of us here today, food, drink, clothes aren't as pressing as they were for some of our dear folks in our community, uh, and certainly for Jesus' first century followers. Even so, we still worry, right? Success, stability, savings, health, status, grades, projects we want to do. Again, our peace in the midst of these various things that we're worried about doesn't come from devaluing them. Jesus doesn't devalue food, clothing, shelter. What he says is trust God with it. Trust your father who knows that you need whatever, fill in the blank. And then there's more. We're not just told what not to do. We're also told what to do. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. God's kingdom is not completely here, but it breaks into our world in little moments of love and grace and truth all around us that are waiting to be discovered. Notice the language here. Seek. It's not build. Not go build his kingdom. It's seek it. Find it. Look for it. Seek his kingdom. That's his invitation. What is the kingdom? His kingdom is our heavenly father's reign. Radiantly seen in Jesus. Experienced in the spirit. What is his righteousness? His righteousness is our heavenly father's goodness. Radiantly seen in his son. Experienced in the spirit. Again, it's not, it's not build his kingdom. Or not, not build his kingdom. Or not build our kingdom. 
And it's not seek our righteousness. It's seek his kingdom and his righteousness. None of it originates in us. It's his. And that's the good news. Because when we're driving around stressed out in a parking lot, we're not very righteous. But he is. Rather than getting caught up in the rat race, rather than being driven by our anxieties, rather than living from the culture's script for what it says we're supposed to be, we're invited by Jesus to align our lives, align our lives with the Father's reign and with his goodness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, jump in on that rather than getting pulled into worry. When you worry... Jesus is inviting us to seek. Seek God's kingdom, seek his righteousness. The word seek in Greek means to look for, investigate, examine, consider, strive for, aim at. So when we find ourselves fretting and fearing, the best medicine is to seek. Pivot to an attitude of looking around, looking for righteousness and goodness. Rather than giving in to our worries and fears, Jesus invites us to give to God's kingdom, which he's given us already. It's like giving in to something you've been given. This is the Luke. Give to something you've been given. Luke 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's big language. Given the kingdom. This is a gift that's breaking in. A word like kingdom is one of those words that can just sort of straighten everything out. Like if I'm driving around the parking lot of Costco and I'm frustrated, I think kingdom, you know, it just kind of sets me straight, right? When I'm running around my living room freaked out by chemical plate on fire smells, I think kingdom, you know, if I can remember that, if I can pivot into that, that sets me straight. There's a kingdom. It's something bigger. It lifts me up. Out of whatever I'm in the midst of, in my own stew, try it. When you're triggered and freaked, words matter. Let that word kingdom come to your mind. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That is God's reign, God's presence, God's inbreaking glory in the world. And then in response to that, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. We've come through the holidays. Lots of shopping. I love shopping. I'll be honest. I think it's fun. Shopping can be fun and enjoyable. And I think it's fun to enjoy God's material gifts. Their blessings. They're great. How God made us. Giving things. Seeing things created. But look. Consumerism can consume us. It can. But rather than being consumed by getting more, our Lord calls us to look at how we can be generous with what we already have to bless others. Take a layer off the top. Go to Goodwill or a place like that. Give. There's so many ways to share. And we all have stuff we can give. When we give, we jump into the stream of God's generosity toward the world. You know, I... When you jump out of your own anxiety and give, rather than giving into your anxiety, jump into the stream of God's generosity and let it carry you forward into a world and out of yourself. We get swept up. 
Generosity is an awesome way to get out of your own worries. Now, again, if you've got severe anxiety or, or you know, OCD, you know, get help, support. It's, it's not just that being generous will necessarily solve that, but it will help. It's one piece. Instead of giving in to worries, give to the kingdom, which you've already been given. Consider ways to give your time, talent, and treasure as an antidote to the anxiety you and I face and the demands that can devour us. Our schedules can devour us. Overactivity becomes draining. We're running around so much. Jesus is calling us to evaluate all that we're running after in light of God's kingdom. Why not take an inventory of your schedules, especially if it leads you to worry and anxiety, and ask ask yourself, how am I seeking the kingdom in each of these events? This doesn't, this doesn't mean we only do Christian things, right? But it does mean evaluating our investment of time, talent, and treasure in light of Christ and his kingdom. You may be called to, we'll all be called to go and participate in the world, not just church stuff. But to evaluate those things in terms of, okay, how am I seeking the kingdom in this meeting and that meeting and such? So schedules laid before the idea of seeking God's kingdom expectations and expectations of ourselves and expectations of others laid before God's kingdom because they can drive us crazy too. We think things should work out a certain way and we try to force it. But the reality here in this text is we're not here to create our kingdom. We're here to seek his. The biblical reality is that we participate in God's kingdom, which is to live a life of submission doesn't mean we don't have goals and don't strive, but it means we can constantly evaluate and reevaluate our goals in light of the kingdom of the Father. We enter into conversation with God. We say, Father, here's what I'm passionate about. Father, guide me in how to live it out so it aligns with your kingdom. In any profession, we can align ourselves with kingdom values. When we live in grace, love, forgiveness, healing, truth, and generosity. Anyway, consumerism, expectations, our schedules, our own psychodynamic brokenness can all be wicked taskmasters that will lead us to a kind of oblivion of worry and fear. Our Heavenly Father has more for us. So, Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For your pleasure is there your for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask this, O Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.